0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Hunt Lifty Podcast. I'm your host, Luke, rolling uh, solo today. Carter couldn't make it and couldn't find a short notice uh, guest host. So, we're, uh, I'm still stoked though. We've got an awesome guest, one that we've been talking about getting on the podcast for uh, about six months now. So, finally got it lined up. Uh, So, we've got Joel from Hike Hunt Harvest. What's going on, Joel? How are you, man? I'm doing well. I'm um, stoked that we finally get down to sit and chat and really unpack what you guys got going on. And, you know, it, there's a lot of, uh, similarities. You're a little more technical than I am. I'm probably a little more bro lift, but on the fitness side. And so I'm really stuck. I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot in this one.
1: Uh, no guarantees. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, uh, let's just go ahead and, uh, start off with kind of, you know, a little bit about you, your background, you know, if you came out, did you come up in the outdoors, you know, interest right. in hunting, fitness, all that.
1: Yeah. So a l- little bit of both. Um, yeah, grew up in Nebraska and, uh, you know, dad kind of introduced me to the outdoors and hunting and all that stuff, you know, went the pretty traditional route of, you know, getting hunter, uh, hunter education or whatever, you know, all that stuff early on and and got into a lot of bird hunting and waterfowling and stuff like that when I was a kid and and we grew up around a a pretty large lake. So there was a lot of, a lot of activities that we could do. Um, it was, very involved in athletics and stuff like that when I was growing up. And, um, as I kind of went through college and school and all that stuff, uh, you know, realized that maybe I wasn't as good of athlete as I had hoped I was going to be. I, I was fortunate enough to played, played some college ball and, and, uh, kind of always just had a desire to stay around athletics. And so my path kind of veered me a little bit towards exercise science. And, and so I was lucky enough that, Got uh, my, my undergrad degree after I kind of quit playing, playing baseball and um, went back and did my master's in exercise science and kind of realized there was a path that I could kind of follow that would allow me to have a little bit of contact still in the, in the athletic world. And so I spent about 10 years as a college strength conditioning coach. And um, when I moved to Colorado, Uh, A good friend of mine who actually was was from Nebraska, his family kind of grew up big game hunting and and, uh, introduced me to elk hunting in the very early 2000s. And it just, you know, immediately gravitated towards it. And so as time passed and just kind of did my thing, you know, as far as just career and and all that kind of stuff, um, it was probably five or six years ago that I kind of just recognized that my passion to hunt and, and be in the outdoors and all that stuff kind of collided with, understanding that what I do for a living had some place in this world of the outdoors. And, and I was training every year to get ready to go up and, and you know, spend seven, 10 days or whatever in the backcountry. And I'm like, you know, if I apply what I know into this world, I think there's a place to, to help people. I think it's a lot of what we do in, in the training world is, you know, we're trying to help people get better. We're trying to educate them. And, and that's kind of how you know, Hunt High Carvest was born. And, and so we've been, you know, not in a hurry. I mean, in a lot of regards, just because we, we kind of have recognized that, that there's a lot of space. Um, we've tried to kind of make a name and, and slow roll our way into, you know, building some relationships and, and starting to just bring some of this, this information to light. And uh, we're, we're having a lot of fun with it. Um, and And I think that for us, it's just something that we're, starting to enjoy seeing that there's people that get excited about wanting to prepare better and wanting to know more about you know what should I be doing to get ready for some of these endeavors because for some people it's you know it's one thing that um, you know is a bucket list for a lot of people and and they want to have a good experience and I think like that's kind of our mission is to be positive influence on creating better experiences for people in the back country that doesn't necessarily mean just filling tags as much as it is enjoying the opportunity to be out there and, and have more fun and be more prepared for it so that they can kind of relish in in you know every time they get to go out and do these things so
0: no that's awesome and i mean it's very kind of a similar I didn't have the formal background in, in the, the fitness training that you had, but, you know, that's when I kind of started hunting, eat. It was just marrying the things that I did in life. It was real simple. You know, I didn't, I didn't work hard on the name. It was literally the three things that I was the most passionate <laughs> about. And I like to eat and uh, we get a lot of jokes that we probably should have like a parentheses drink next to it, you know, But uh, <laughs> work hard play hard a little bit, but not, I, right. I think it's, I think it's great. I, I, there's definitely, I mean, a, de- a demand and there's a, there's a big knowledge gap for a lot of folks that want to come up and, and train for hunting specifically and actually understanding how to train. You know, there's a lot of, you know, like the, I feel like you see, especially through social media, there's, there's like one extreme or the other one on the fitness side it's like cam which you know mad respect for what he does but like not everybody needs to go run 26 miles a day right like there's a balance there but then also some of the other guys where it's just like a ton of aesthetic bodybuilding type stuff it's like that might not be the best either like there's a there's some different energy systems we need to tack and all this and but with you know what you guys got going on over there what what kind of you know, are you doing like coaching? Is it, uh, I know you've got, you really leverage like some of the technology side and, and and tracking metrics and all that kind of just explain to our listeners what, what it is you guys are specifically really tackling over there.
1: Yeah. So I think, um, a lot of it kind of behind the scenes is, is research. Um, we're, we're really trying to take that, you know, knowledge uh, from a scientific kind of uh, background and make it so that it's it's somewhat digestible to someone who doesn't have my background, right? And and get them to understand that there actually is a, a method to the madness and there are ways that you can go about doing these things that are going to yield better results. You know, you kind of listed a couple examples where it's like, you know, yeah, 100%, I got like mad respect for campaigns, but, you know, I also look at it and go, whew, that's, that's, a, that's a tough road to hoe. And, and there's a lot of people that I think just look at that and admire it and go, he would argue, Oh, anybody can do this. I'm just an average person. And I, to that, I say, yeah, you're, you're right. But there's a lot of other layers to it that go into, you know, him being who he is and whatever. And, you know, I look at myself and, you know, the years of use and abuse and things like that, that I put myself through athletically and whatever else. And I'm like, I don't know that I I can handle some of that pounding that he probably does on a daily basis. So how can I go about this to the other person who maybe thinks in that same light and say, there can be an approach we can take that allows you to kind of chip away and, and progressively overload them in a, in a way that's going to allow them to um, you know have success based on the fact that I think it's tough if you go out and you just kind of kick the crap out of yourself every day and you don't want to train and and, you know you you have like a negative connotation towards that and i think that's where kind of the two meet which is like i can take principles behind scientific foundations and apply them to a person who's like i'm not going to be cam haynes but i still want to go out and still be able to get in the backcountry and I still want to be able to cover miles and I still want to be able to pack out my animal and some of those things and to me I think that's where kind of the two end up you know finding a, a middle ground a little bit because you know there's the crossfitter who's like man I love that kind of training I love to get out and just get after it and whatever and yet at the same time you have those folks like man I did crossfit for a while and dude, I just like, all I did was get hurt. And all I did was feel like I was overtrained. And actually at some point I didn't feel better. It was great for a while. Right. And to me, it's finding a little bit more of a systemic approach that allows you to have something that is going to be attainable and most importantly, sustainable. I think that's a big part of it. Um, And so I'm trying to do that work for people and then find ways that I can present it back to them. So they're like, I think i could do that i think i can accomplish that right with some planning and some consistency and an application of this stuff where i'm the one that's going to do the work you have to just be able to be willing to apply it and and go out and, and get your hands dirty just a little bit to, to actually put the work in
0: so how does that look do you do just like one-on-one consults figure out you know past history just you know kind of like kind of a typical coaching realm and then just apply you know, their responses and goals and all that, and then build a, a tailored program for that individual?
1: Yeah. So we have uh, multiple avenues that we can take. Um, we do have like an app based integration that works really well. Um, I've had multiple people that have reached out and said, Hey, um, last year I had a guy who's like, I drew a New Mexico tag. I'm from uh, Florida, right? And at, at the end of the day, he's like, how am I going to get ready to go to New Mexico and, you know, spend half the month in in September out there chasing something. And so you find out where they're at, right? Like you have to find out where are you currently at? What's your previous training history? Do you have injuries and things like that, that we have to work around and we can build tailored stuff. Um, And so from that, the more information that I can learn from someone the easier it is for me to say, all right, here's a good starting point. And we've got to kind of like, do this, I call kind of ripples in the pond type approach where you're going to build them up and give them some recovery and build them up. And you just kind of keep riding that as they go. And um, then, you know, we can go into other interventions where it's like, we have a 12,000 square foot facility in Denver. And um, if you want to come in and and work one-on-one, we can do that. We're trying to create groups and things like that, that, uh, you know, builds a culture. um, You know, like uh, we met you know Kiefer, who's one of your guys and, and he does some of that stuff which is awesome right you get to see people that start to kind of build some desire to be around like-minded people and so you know those are things that we're, we're doing that are more um, in person and kind of live and um you know at the same time it can be just as simple as saying like hey you know what are you trying to accomplish and, and can i just give you some advice right so from kind of any of those um, all the way down to the most basic things, which is like we've got downloadable stuff. If you want to just be like, hey, I want to do it on my own. Here you go. Here's a link. Grab a hold of that. Get in and, and you can take off and, and solo it. So um, we're just trying to find any way that we can can give people outlets and resources that are going to help them um, with better outcomes.
0: No, I love that. And you know it's it's nested really well, kind of what we're, we do. We don't do the uh individual coaching yet we're we're working to try to bring on a few coaches i i can't uh don't don't have the time nor really the desire nor do i have the credentials so i'll try to bring some folks in that are smarter than me but you know i think that it's that it's great there's so much like we were talking like the demand is so high like i get questions that was why we initially did program i had no intention of ever doing training programs but i just kept having people like ask and i was like giving them advice and then finally i was like screw it let's just do a couple programs and then you know right. the people wanted different things and um so I, I think that it's really great what you guys are doing i love the that, the fact that you guys have a physical location and a big gym i still plan on getting up there and i was talking with uh with some of the the guys from hunt wallet and then jeff from yeah uh, you know I, we need to get an event together we go up there and i gotta work out maybe do some shooting or something and then i'll sit sure. around and, and and uh talk just talk about, you know, the, the culture and the community and just building that aspect. And that's what we're all about here. And it, it it's cool when we get those like-minded folks together and then just good things just seem to happen. Yeah, um, 100%. Yeah. yeah.
1: Let's
0: go. That, yeah. I mean, that, that conversation, you know, that like we had at Western Hunt
1: Fest and um, I think Jason and I talk about this a lot, which is, you know, in the sport world, we get this like really kind of closed-mindedness a lot of times and there's a lot of folks especially in the training world that you know want to be unique they want their their brand they want to you know think that their methodology is so unique and all this other stuff and i'm like that's great you know if if that's how you want to approach it And, and as we've kind of begun to you know make some some headway in in this world there's been so much more of a an open kind of platform where people want to share, people want to collaborate and that type of thing and it's almost refreshing to us because we're just like, man, it's nice to actually meet people who aren't really like protective to some degree about everything they do. I'm like, guess what? I teach people to squat, I teach people to lunge, I teach people how to improve like this, you know, yes, there's there's, you know, some some method behind it. But at the end of the day, like, it's not that special. Let's, let's not kid ourselves and think that, you know, how you're training people or what you're doing is like, you know, Einstein worthy of, of, uh, note, noting. And, and so how you go about it and the way you do it and the way you build relationships and get people to buy into that is a whole nother story. And I think that's where, you know, having these conversations with, you know, with you guys and, and, you know, some of the other people that you mentioned, it's like, I would much rather have an environment where we're collaborative and that because we have like-mindedness and and that we want to go out and share and and work with people and whatever else that there's a much, there's plenty out there for everybody. Right. And, um, if you just kind of, you know, the the saying of like, you know, if you want to go, if you want to go fast, go alone. Right. If you want to go far, bring team. Right. I think that that's kind of how, how I look at it and and I'm never afraid to share stuff with people or um, you know, I've never invented anything worthy of of someone saying like, Oh, like that's mine. Right. right. (laughs) Like,
0: So I agree with that completely. Like there's, there's nothing special really about like training. It really comes down. There's a bunch of different modalities and methodologies and everybody's got their opinion. And the number one thing is just do something consistently. (laughs) Like, you know, you, pick up a barbell three times a week sprint twice a week and then do one you know moderate to long distance run and you do that every day for 20 years you're going to be in pretty damn good shape and it's like it's really that simple but we just we want to overcomplicate it with all these different movements and yeah there's there's nuance to it definitely but at the end of the day you know a mediocre to subpar program executed for you know seven years consistently versus the best programmer in the world sporadically executed like it's the consistency is what matters. And you do see that you see it in the fitness industry where guys really think that you in know, all the influencers and all that shit today, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's nothing special, man. Like there, there's, right. all, you know, yeah, there's not like the secret, the secret is just to do it <laughs> and continue to do so.
1: Yeah. Right. You know, you go back to, you know, just the conversation with cam, right? Like why is he successful? Why is he capable of doing that? He's been consistent for a freaking long ass time. Right. You yep. don't just go out one day and be like, ah, I think I'm just going to go run 20 miles. Like you can try, but guess what? He didn't start with running 20 miles. He started by running a mile or two and then five and then 10. And, you know, that's how he became who he is and what, what most people see and assimilate with now. Right.
0: Yeah, completely. And, 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 the human body is just so incredible with its ability to adapt. And I mean, you you know this and like, you can put it through, you know, different stressors and it's going to respond. And like, when you look at like the dude, the mountain from game of Thrones, like, you know, Thor, and then you look at like some, uh, you know, Kenyan doing these crazy ultra marathons. It's like, that's the same species. Like it's wild, yeah, you know, and it's, and it's just crazy what the human body can do. And so, yeah, I mean, if you, if, if Cam's baseline is 26 miles because he's conditioned his body to do it every single day, it's no different. It's like basically the same stress as the guy who walks 10,000 steps a day every day. Like it's what he's consistently, I mean, there's a little bit more, but like basically that's what it comes down to is he's right. built that ability through the adaptation and people look at this stuff and it's like, oh, I can never do that. And it's like, you can, if you just, run a mile, run a mile, run a mile, run two miles, two miles, two miles, and then just slowly build up to whatever that goal is and then consistently do it. And then what happens is, is usually, you know, I don't, this is what I've done. It's like, I have this goal. I hit that goal. And then I start all the way back to zero instead of just staying where I was at to then continue to progress. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's kind of how my, my right. approach has been through most of my life, which is regrettable. And you know, I really want to start working on trying to chase some of that For higher sure. level by just, maintaining that consistency over an extended period of time and like the time horizon thing, everybody wants the 60 week or the 60 day abs or, you know, 21 days to whatever. And it's like, no, like, like start thinking in years or like even quarters, like I like to do three month cycles, you know, and chew things down that way. And you start, okay, I'm gonna do three months followed by three months, followed by three months, followed by three months. months, And now I've knocked out a year. Now you've really started to like make some real change.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm here teaching a course to uh, first responders this week and um, we, we kind of presented a chart to them. And, and a lot of times with, with these folks we talk about uh, being in police academies and fire academies and, and, you know, you have a really condensed portion where they have a lot of control. They institute all these things in terms of skills and physical training and all this other stuff. And we show them this chart that is research-based It talks about what we want, which is to adopt a culture and a lifestyle and for them to embrace, you know, what the physical readiness piece looks like. And there's this thing gets extrapolated out to like almost a year. It's like 48 weeks. And after we build up to about a 16 week, you know, training program, which is about the length of a lot of these academies. And then they take those people and they actually decrease their volume by one third and they continue doing that for three times a week right three sets of 10 or or, excuse me one set of 10 three times a week on you know just say everything all your basics right and you actually see that line continue to progress outward so after you did all that work the minimal kind of dosage of that to continue to see progress the second part of that group they reduced them all the way down to working out one time a week with one set and those people still increased out to 48 weeks. That's and so, wild. And so you look at that and like I told and I, and I told all these instructors, um, academy instructors, I'm like, if that's not a marketing piece to try and get people to buy in, like, I don't know what is like you do all that work to get there. And all you have to do is maintain some level of consistency and you can still see some pretty amazing things that your body will will hold on to and in be able to continue sustain over a pretty long period of time. So, um, yeah, like you said, it's amazing what what you can adapt to good or bad.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great point. Let's, uh, let's, you know, dig into the weeds a little bit on, on, you know, some of this, let's take a guy, um, you know, coming from, let's say the East coast live in, Around sea level, a couple hundred feet, and then he's got to come out and train to to come out to Colorado for an OTC. He's taking advantage of the probably the last year of it here in Colorado. Yeah, right. You know, he's <laughs> going to be hunting anywhere from seven to nine to twelve thousand feet. Yeah. Um. You know what? What are some things? You know, we don't need to go all the way into the weeds, but you know, what are some? You know, th- the top three or four things that you think he should really be focused on uh, building into his training progression.
1: Right. Well, you know, of course, everybody talks, you know, first and foremost, they are going to talk about altitude, right? And the reality of it is the guy that's at, at or near sea level, you, you can't replicate it, right? It's just it's just not not possible. Um, but the things that we can look at are how do we train with where we are at in the right intensities and durations and some of those things that will help as we get there right there's an acclimation period that we know of when we look at like red cell uh, blood cell production that you know it's about a 20-day period for you to actually adapt once you get up to altitude right and as you incrementally add to that the need and the demand is going to continue to go up and for the most part what you end up seeing is that person is fine while they're working it's the recovery From that work that becomes the hardest right i can't catch my breath right i'm okay when i'm hiking yeah sure i'm working but as soon as i stop i feel like i'm gonna die right so i look at that and i say well because i can't replicate that can i work in or near similar capacities at that level and look at saying maybe we need to be five to ten percent above that to account for what it's going to require when I know that the uncontrollable circumstance of altitude is going to be eminent, right? And so when we start to kind of add some of those things in it's, we're going to build up density to their workout, right? Which is density, meaning the durations, the frequency and some of those things and knowing that that's going to be as close as I can get to trying to get them built up. To being able to do, you know, most guys are going to do a week long, right? And so can we get them to the point where we're going to add some load, right? Which includes, you know, your rucks. And even if you don't have a lot of ability to get up and down, we need to get them prepared to have weight on their back, right? Structurally, they've got to be able to carry whatever their day pack is going to look like. So if that's 20, 30, 40 pounds, if they're going back country, it might be 50 or 60. Um, we're going to systematically build that up just the same as you would if you're squatting or benching or whatever else right like you're going to have that thing on all day long so we need to make sure that we're going to start by doing you know shorter durations we're going to have lighter pack they're going to start by you know 10 pounds and then you know we're going to gradually work them up to where that that's going to start lengthening out and then you're going to increase the frequency can we do the go from doing that you know two to three days a week up to doing that four to five days a week and by the time we get there are they capable of producing you know Three, three to five or six miles at a time where that amount of load uh, is going to be near what their pack weight actually should be. Um, one of the things that I think becomes really difficult that often gets overlooked is the footwear, the ankle and, and foot stress. When we talk about like rucking, we take a lot of that information from the military side. Um, if you're not accustomed to that, first thing, it's probably going to fail. The first thing that's going to really start barking at you is going to be your feet. And so we'll actually incorporate things within the training in itself where I'm going to say, hey, we're going to do lunges. We're going to do step ups and things like that. But we're going to try and get you off a flat ground. So you're going to do step ups with your foot inverted. You're going to do step ups with your foot everted. You're going to do downhill. You're going to do uphill and start to kind of get them accustomed to moving in different angles and some things that are going to help better prepare that. Because if your feet go, you're going to be in trouble. I mean, it's miserable, right? I'm sure you you probably know that. Um, So, you know, I think those are some small things, you know, and then obviously just general general strength and endurance, right? Like you're going to have to put on the miles. Um, So we're going to try and build up to where, you know, a lot of times I think about starting out early, you're doing sets and reps, right? It's sets of 10, it's sets of 12, whatever, you know, just basic things. But as that progresses now, it's, hey, can we do, two, three minutes of step-ups continuously, right? To start to build up where the heart rate starts matching the output muscularly and we start building some of that up and then we start taking some of that rest and we start manipulating that down just a little bit. And ultimately it's just kind of merging all those things together where we want to build up what I just consider to be tissue tolerance, right? At the end of the day, if we've got better tissue tolerance we're gonna be able to withstand the load. We're gonna be able to withstand the duration. We'll be able to stand, you know, all of those stressors that are coming, knowing that once I get up to altitude, it's as, it's as much as I can be prepared, um, given where I currently am sitting and, and living, so.
0: Yeah, all that, It's good. Cause it, <laughs> it means we're kind of on the right track with our programming, so I'm glad. Uh, Cause you know, that's kind of our same. Uh, thought process is there's those like the training masks and all these other things that everybody wants to say is like it prepares you but it it doesn't um you know empirically and anecdotally I can tell you it doesn't (laughs) I uh when I first got to Fort Carson I had to take the ACFT like six days after I got on ground and when the sprint drag carry for those that don't know it's a it's a sprint then you drag a sled and then you do a carry and there's like a lateral movement in there there's two sprints or whatever but it's a it's a it'll get your heart rate jacked like it's actually a really good workout yeah and uh, when you're dragging you're dragging it going backwards and so it's actually the new army test is actually pretty pretty good it sounds like they're going to scrap it because you know it's the army yeah and uh but I did that. I remember, like, I felt like I took like a fluorescent light bulb, shattered it, and then just inhaled it. (laughs) And my (laughs) lungs were toast for like the neck. Like when I got to the run, I was dying, dying. It was brutal. And I was like, man, this is, come to find out there's like a rule you're not supposed to, they're not supposed to give you that for like a month after you get on the ground. But it was good for me. It was a wake up call. I was like, you better get out and start doing some shit. So I did the incline and I started prepping for for elk season, but it was, it'll kick you in the teeth, you know, if you're, if you're not used to it, um, that altitude for sure. And there's a lot of guys that kills their hunt, you know, a day in they get altitude sickness and they're toast for sure. Yeah.
1: and That's a really good point too, because I think those are some of the other that's like the minutia, right? Which is if you don't understand some of that basic stuff, right. Your exchange is in terms of, you know, respiration, is going to be higher which means you're actually going to expel way more um you know co2 your hydration status is going to be affected um even though a lot of people are like oh man well i'm, I'm not sweating and i'm like no you're actually you're you're exhaling it you're getting rid of it more so the hydration status um is huge and, and you have to educate people on that because if that starts to go down, right? We know within the first you know, 5% of, of hydration status loss that muscle function is gonna be affected, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just a cascading effect, right? Everything's gonna start kind of going downhill. And like you said, next thing you know, you're like, holy crap, I'm, I'm smoked, I'm done, right? And now all of a sudden, your five to six miles or eight miles or whatever, you, know, you were kind of targeting for the day starts kind of coming downhill. And as soon as you can't cover more ground, then obviously, Unless you're super lucky, which I'm never lucky, <laughs> which I'm never lucky. Um, you know, it's going to start really limiting your opportunities. And, you know, it's something like we talk to guides all the time. And we're like, hey, what's what's the biggest factor in successes and failures with clients? And they're like, they don't come physically prepared. And if they're not physically prepared, it's going to limit our ability to get them where they need to be to actually have a successful hunt or the size of the trophy based on their inability to get there.
0: Yeah. For sure, and I want to roll back to the because I've talked to a bunch of guys too, and that's you always get that, and then you get the, the feet, you know, like what you mentioned earlier, and guys not knowing how to care for their feet. And I've talked about it; it's been a while. We probably should just hit it again. It's just like making sure it's something that's very near and dear to me as an infantryman. Um, is just taking care of your feet, like it is a constant battle, and like you know, it's looking at, at your your buddy on the on the mountain and making sure he's changing his socks and taking care of each other because. You, you just guys are, especially as you start getting fatigued and tired and corners get cut and doesn't seem like a big deal. Guys won't take their, their socks off. They won't powder their feet. They won't air their socks out, boots out, whatever. And it just, it can, it goes downhill so quickly. And then once your feet start to go, you're, you're fucked. It's not going to get better um, at all. And then at, at that point it's just how bad can you just deal with the suck? I was, a uh, we had a very unexpected challenge that my command sergeant major put on when I was in uh, a couple several months ago I guess almost a year ago now when I was in Bulgaria and it ended up we ended up coming in around 27 28 miles and it was brutal and I'm was mechanized infantry so we didn't do as much rucking as we did when I was in the light world and so my feet were soft and like I had like the old calluses you know from when I used to really get after it. Well, then all that whole deal, uh, they built blisters underneath. So my entire bottom of my feet on both feet were just, it was the disaster. And yeah. that was just a a lesson and just sucking. That's all it was.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 28 yeah. miles on those feet. I,
0: I felt them pop, like the blisters like come up. It was oh. about 13 miles in. That was brutal.
1: That's yeah, that's, that's no fun. Like you said, and, and, you know, yeah, hunts over funds over all that stuff. And, and now you just, you know, it switches everything in terms of, you know, what, what's next for you at that point, because now you, now you go into just like, well, what do I do? You know, you've, I've got to tend to this. You know, you, like you said, and, and most people in those cases can going to be like, yeah, it's not worth it. It hurts too much. Right. Like I don't have anything to prove. Um, you know, we'll just call it good. We'll stay at camp and drink more beer. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. And that's okay
0: too. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> if so, I was a company commander at the time with like my dudes. If I hadn't been in command and my options were like go back and drink beer or do another what was that, <laughs> 15, 15 miles or whatever it ended up being, I probably would have gone back and drank beer. <laughs> it was just nothing but stubbornness and pride at that point. For um, sure, but, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I mean, it, it, but it's just it's a lesson, and it's easy to just kind of overlook because even if you're experienced, like I I still, I mean, I've made stupid mistakes. The altitude thing with water is big. I know better and still luckily I'm pretty well versed on feeling those signs, but it'll sneak up on you and guys that don't understand it, don't think about, you something that I didn't really think about as much either. And you don't, I, I don't get as thirsty at altitude as I do, you know, elsewhere. I, I feel like I'm, I'm fine. So it's like, I have to like time and make sure I'm drinking like every 15, 20 minutes and kind of put myself on a schedule, make sure I'm crushing a leader, you know, periodically. And because it, yeah, it'll, it can get dangerous. I mean, really. For sure.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, the the other part of it too is like appetite is also suppressed by, by altitude. Right. So you have guys uh, and gals that go through, um, you know, an entire day of out there trekking around and they're like, oh, I don't feel hungry, right? And then you realize that um, we look at, again, like looking at the data and some of that stuff, it's like, at sometimes you can be burning four to seven calories a minute in the high country, right? Now take that time as an entire day. If you're out there for five, six, seven, eight hours or, or more in a day, you're looking at possibility of burning 4500 calories in a day and it's like how many calories do you have with you so it doesn't take long before you start going on the downhill slide of that as well and it's like like you said you almost have to put yourself on schedule like i may not feel hungry but if i don't put some calories in i'm gonna bonk really hard and i'm not gonna be able to you know get to where i need to be or go any further or whatever that looks like and and again you know then you start talking about just rate limiting steps that are going to start really weighing in on whether or not, you know, you're going to find anything or be able to even worse yet, right. Is be in that position and get something down and then be like, man, I don't got enough gas to get out of here. I'm not going to be able to actually break that animal down. You talk about the ethically kind of, um, right thing to do and stuff like that. We talk about effective range, you know, effective range, meaning more, you know, in hunting world, not obviously in, in, um, you know, more of a military sense or anything like that, but it's like, Some people don't gauge that very well, right? Like, you know, the guy that's like, oh, I'm going to go out there and, you know, we're going to get clear back in there deep. And it's like, well, that's all good and well, but once you get back there, you're going to be capable physically. If you get the job done to get back out and be able to, you know, take care of that animal after you do all that work. And, And those are things that, you know, like you said, I think a lot of times people overlook some of those small things that, you know, ultimately I think becomes a responsibility on the individual or even sometimes your buddy. Right, you're like hey man like we're gonna do this we gotta know what we're up against and and what our responsibility is to make sure that you know we take care of each other take care of ourselves and at the same time if we do find success be able to actually get back from wherever we (laughs) embarked into
0: yeah those hard conversations are important i i actually had that with uh a couple of our guys and it was pointed at myself too. Like I'm not where I need to be physically right now. And, you know, we we got a couple hunts, all of us. And and I was like, you know, we, we need to train, like we need to get our asses in shape. Cause we're not, we're not there. And you know, it's that kind of overused adage of like, you know, you're either an asset or a liability. And like, you don't want to be that guy who's the liability on the mountain. And it, I have, not been yet but I think some of that has been I've gone with some guys that were just less uh, experienced than me and I just know I don't want to be and because I had a guy that was and I know that it it just it just it's it sucks like I, I felt bad for him because I know how much it sucked for him even though I was really pissed off too at the same time because I'm trying yeah. to get up the mountain and you know you feel like you're you don't want to leave him behind it's a whole thing and so nobody wants to be there so that preparation and then just understanding and ideally you know you can get out. And do a little scouting, play around at that altitude, two, three days. And then I always talk about expectation management, but you know, everybody wants to go do that 10 day backcountry going in deep, like you were just talking about. And it's like maybe do your like do a three day, come out for a day, a three day, and then break that up in three chunks of three. That's right. going to be a lot more manageable and realistic because what's going to probably happen if you think you're doing 10, you're going to go out for three, come back on four and then not go back
1: out. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. I, I agree with that hundred percent. I mean, that's kind of what our strategy is this year. And I think maybe subliminally or subconsciously in, in the back of my head, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm like, sounds cool to do that, but maybe the, the smart thing for me to do being, you know, getting, getting hopefully older and wiser is to, is to make that more of a strategy where it's like, if we hike back out five, six, seven miles or something like that, and allow ourselves to kind of recharge and, and, you know, unload, reload, that kind of thing. I'm a hell of a lot more probably, um, willing to, to go back out for three more days or or whatever, rather than completely overshoot it. And then, you know, have, have the whole trip more or less become a failure.
0: Well, and folks, you know, they underestimate the weight of five to 10 days of food. Like it's not insignificant. You know, if like, my base load for a backcountry hunt sits around 50 ish as kind of my weight. And then, you know, that's dry. Yeah. Add in, I try to, you know, if I'm in a place that's got water, I usually try to only carry about a liter, maybe a little bit more at a time, um, as long as there's access. And then you look at, the food for that. And that starts to add up really quick, you know, like real yeah. quick for 10 days worth of chow. And there's different techniques that like going up a little early if you can, but if guys are coming from the East coast and traveling, you know, it's going to be hard to cache food. And yeah. so, you know, there's just, it's just, there's a lot of stuff that I I've only been in Colorado for three years now. And so I'm not going to pretend like I'm the most experienced hunter. I do have a ton of experience living out of a bag, um, you right. know, out of a rucksack more, more than most for sure. Yeah, So I've, I have, I, It is a little different when you have to do it, (laughs) and that's something I think army guys also don't consider. Tricks there, right? Yeah, when you when you when it's with the army, you don't have a choice. It's just like when you know it's just what has to happen, you do it. And then when you know that you can like leave it anytime, you're like, eh, it's easy to start talking yourself out of talk yourself off the mountain, you know, and come down a little early. And so I've been on both sides of all of it, and. But I do notice that most of the guys I talk to through HLE and the team when they're playing in hunts, God, everybody, they, there's something about that 10-day backcountry hunt that just sounds super sexy to folks. And I'm like, right. hey, I've never done 10 days straight in the backcountry. I've done 10 days straight out of a rock to where, at the point, I don't really want to do 10 days straight in the backcountry. Right, right, yeah, you not know? that okay, glamorous. <laughs> it sucks at about five. <laughs> you know, I do 10 days straight if I've got a, you know, in a kind of a – a good base camp where we spike out from and be able to sleep oh, on a yeah. cot or something, but yeah, you know. oh
1: yeah, yeah.
0: We—that's
1: what I tell people. I'm like, they're like, ah, oh, well, you know, how do you guys hunt? And I'm like, well, it depends. I'm like, we have the full 16 by 20 like outfitter set up with, you know, the wood burning stove, and and I'm like, it's it's a lot more like glamping, <laughs> and I'm like, it's real easy to get up in the morning and, and you know be like, I know I'm coming back to that at the end of the day. As opposed to hiking, you know, eight, 10 miles or whatever it is and know that wherever you end up there is where you end up. And there's no going back to a nice, comfy, cozy, warm place. It's like those two are entirely on different stratospheres.
0: Yeah, when you wake up and through the condensation, you realize you slid down and you're... your toe box was pushed up against the wall of the tents so and now your entire toe box is soaked, your bottom <laughs> of your pants are soaked, your bag's soaked, and you're just sitting there freezing. You're like, this sucks. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's, <laughs> it would be nice to know that like, ah, there's a wood stove and a wall tent and yeah. or a camper or something. But yeah, I've, I've definitely lessened my, I, I still think that there's value and I do enjoy hard shitty hunts, but yeah. every hunt doesn't have to be that way.
1: <laughs> no, right? Like, I, I mean, that's what I think we've done probably over the last five years is is we've really kind of done both ends of that spectrum where it's like, man, all that stuff is great, but there's actually a rate limiting step in that where it's like, if this is what we call home, you know, it's like you put a stake down and start drawing a radius where it's like, this is about as far as we're gonna get in a day. And we'd be either better have done our homework you know, put in the time in there to ensure that you we're, you know, capable of finding or, or getting on animals in that radius, or it's just going to be a really good camping trip. And I've definitely done those, um, nothing wrong with it. We've had some really good weeks doing that stuff. We've we've also had success doing that stuff, but it's like, when you go the other route, um, you yeah know, there's, I think it depends on the individual and like what challenges you and, you know, maybe even scares you at some levels where it's like, having more unknowns, right? Like not having that like security of that where it's like, all right, I wonder if I'm, you know, test my metal a little bit here and figure out if I'm capable of doing that. And, and so, you know, we've kind of built up to some of that where I'm almost like I've done the real comfortable and fun and, and, and all that. And I'm kind of working more towards like, yeah, let's, let's see how old and crusty I am. And can I get out there and, and, rough it a little bit more I, th- I think I'm capable of it and, and uh, I don't necessarily need all that stuff and I'd rather have success you know you hear guys say like there's only so many opening days and now I'm like oh, I'm gonna be 47 here pretty quick and guess what there, those those days and inabilities to do some of that stuff as you go year by year get harder and harder to do so it's like let's start doing it while we can
0: I love that point. And I've really started thinking about that. Like last year, uh, being overseas, I missed the whole season. And that happened to me too, with one of my Afghan deployments, one of them I timed out well. And then my second one, I didn't. And that was like the first time that I really was like, I need to start hunting more. So I grew up hunting East coast, family farm, white tails, I knew how to hunt that piece of property really well. It turns out I didn't know shit about animals. Didn't know anything about deer. <laughs> I thought I did. If you'd asked me at the time, I started trying to hunt public land. But that's really what like sparked my journey into getting more and more hardcore and hunting different states. And was like, man, like when you miss a season and you're like, I only have so many of these. And then, you know, you get a little bit older, a little bit older. It's like, man, you need to really take care of those seasons and and don't just waste them like I, I was talking you know guys would be like oh i didn't draw anything not honey i'm like what are you, there's leftover there's otc there's other states there's you know go hunt east coast white like do something like hunt man don't waste a season you only there's a finite number of hunting seasons and if you're really passionate about it and then like god forbid your or our because i'm could be susceptible, susceptible to this as well is like lack of preparation mindfulness training to cost a season or a, a good tag a coveted tag if you know if you spend six eight ten years of, building up points or, you know, and then come out. And because you're physically weak, can't hack it. Like, that's just unforgivable in my opinion. Like we have to be better than that.
1: hundred percent. Yeah. Like, I couldn't agree with that more. I think, you know, look at, look at a guy like, like John Dudley, right? Like, I mean, he quit being, you know, one of the best shooters on, you know, the, the U S archery team. Cause so he's like, and I'm wasting a lot of years of possibility that, that I can't get back to get out of the field. You know, and it's like, it, it's, it's the exact, that exact scenario. And, and I think as you, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like telling the, the young kid that you're like, Hey man, like, listen to me and this, I'm going to give you some advice. I want to tell you like, you know, you should eat better and you should sleep more and you should, you know, train and do all this other stuff. And, you know, they're young and like, yeah, 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 whatever, you know, and they're invincible. And as those years kind of click by all of a sudden you kind of go, maybe I should, put a little bit more focus towards this stuff because at some point you know the worst thing you can have happen in anything in life is you start like checking things off like that can't do that anymore right and that to me is like that's the worst
0: yeah and you know i'm I'm really mindful of that right now just with i've got a you can probably this whole podcast hear him screaming as he doesn't want to go to sleep but my almost two-year-old who's a little animal and then i have a little girl on the way is like you know i want to be able to take them hunting i want to be able to go hunting with them when they're my age you know how awesome would that be is like i could be in my 60s and going hunting with my kids like that that's what i really want to make sure that i can still do and it's possible you look at i mean cam i think's in his upper 50s rogan and like granted these guys have some cash and they're probably they're going down to tijuana and getting some stem cell plugs and all that (laughs) stuff which uh (laughs) I'm actually really want to do, I just got to make a lot more money. That <laughs> sounds like an awesome way to fix all some of my ailments, but like, yeah, like the, the, just a lot of it is just as simple as taking care of ourselves and having a intelligent measured approach to training, which I think is really important. And that's, you're talking about CrossFit earlier. I, I used to CrossFit and I, I was mediocre at it, I guess, but I, I, Looking back, and like one of the reasons why I left was because it's it's more exercise than actual training. That not some gyms and some trainers do, but like if you were to train more like what the games athletes train, I think that's the right the right measure, right? Like those right. guys aren't doing a random workout of the day with right. a work up to a one rep max on you know one lift, and then they just just popcorn up jumping around all the time. Like these guys have a legitimate progression in their training. They're they're have dedicated strength that where they're actually doing legitimate like you know five by five five by ten like built in like real true progression and then they're doing a series of smaller uh Metcons to, to target you know that heart rate stuff you were talking about and yeah. then they might go do their long run or a long bike ride or, and they're attacking all three of those energy systems and I think we should like look at that and train like the athletes and what are the, what are what's an NFL running back or an NFL linebacker doing that's kind of what we should be looking more like instead of And I fell into the powerlifting trap. I've, I've done all that stuff. And it's like, I don't, I can be fat and strong, but like, that doesn't help me with really (laughs) anything.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Right. And I think that's, that's the thing. Like you, you, you hit it on the head. You know, I think, um, you know, we've kind of talked about like, how, how do we contextualize like how we do things and what we do as far as, you know, harvest goes and, and, you know, you see, there's some other entities that exist in this space, you know, that are, that are a lot more on that like CrossFit side. And they're like, oh, well, you must hate CrossFit, and I'm like, no, I really don't actually. Um, there's there's a time and place for everything, um, you know. If I want to look on the positives of CrossFit, I'm like, look at the community that they created, right? I'm like, look at the amount of people that got sick and tired of going to your 24-hour fitness and your big box gyms because it's stale and it's boring and whatever else. And they developed a really, really strong culture of people that are like, I want something more, right? Like, I want something that's going to stimulate me at a higher level. And I'm like, it got more people doing things and getting out and and training in that manner. And I'm like, I'm 100% on board with that, like, without question, right? Now, when you take that a step further, it's like, you start slicing the onion back a little bit. And I'm like, there aren't bad programs, right? There's typically just bad coaching and there's bad integrations, right? So it's like, can you take something like that? And I'm like, people are like, oh, well, do you do CrossFit? And I'm like, do I do power cleans and, and Olympic movements? Yep, sure do. I'm like, uh, do I throw med balls? Yep, sure do. I'm like, does that make me a CrossFitter? Hell no. Right. Like, no, it has nothing to do with it. Right. It goes back to me talking about squat men, lunges, and lunge invention, right? Like there's nothing arbitrary about any of that stuff. And so, you know, but it's, what are you training for and why are you doing it? And what are, what are you actually trying to work for? If it's for that culture and you want to be stimulated in that environment, boom, there's your spot. That's awesome. Great. Have no problem with it. Right. But if you say, here's where I want to be. And I look at that and say, That'll work for a little bit, but I may need to adjust and alter some of that stuff because the, like you said, the long play there probably isn't going to get you where you need to be. Right. And you can say that about any programming, you know, not just CrossFit or whatever else. It's like you're going to constantly have to manipulate things in order to get people where they want to be to develop a much more longitudinal approach to finding success, whatever that looks like for any given individual when it comes to training.
0: Yeah, that's that's good stuff, and I think that that's a, a key point too. Is that that kind of that tweaking and, and tinkering, and because you, you do, you're going to hit plateaus, and that's what happened with me at CrossFit. I just hit a massive strength plateau that I could never break through. I was, you know, one of the stronger guys in the gym, and I was just like, and that was when I, you know, started looking at different strength programming, and found Jim Wendler and, and jumped over to Beyond Five Three One, which I still really like a lot of that structure <laughs> and tweaks I on it. Do it. Haven't heard that name in a while. I love, I just like his little on, um, if you guys have never seen his program and he's got like little blurbs, like he says, and he's got one that's like, it's like a quote and he's, and he's, like, uh, he's like, yeah, you know, I'll talk like his haters. They say like, you know, if I could you know, lift weights all day, um, I'd be big and strong too. He's like, no, fuck you. Like you're weak because you're weak. And I just have always <laughs> loved that. Like, it, you know, you would just sit around and, and eat Cheetos and play video games. If you didn't have to work, like you're weak because you're weak. And I, I've always yeah. loved, loved that. That's um, true. That dude's a gosh, he's. I think he squatted well over a thousand pounds. It's crazy. I couldn't imagine having that much weight on my back, but uh, he uh, but yeah, just having that tweaking and changing, and there's not one answer to any of this, and then everybody you know responds differently to a lot of this stimuli. But I do agree with you, like, I think CrossFit has done far more good than harm. I mean, it sparked my. Or reignited my passion for working out because i was very mundane and like when i was i got into it when i was in college and i was kind of doing the army thing a lot of body weight and i just had gotten away from weights so i grew up playing football and rugby and, and lifted a lot but i had was like oh the army wants me to be body weight strong so i'll do this cool. so I, I think that there's a really awesome aspect to it i think it's probably good for a lot of the people that do it because they're not training for that they are training to exercise they want to be they want to look better they want to feel better and they want to do and like that's fine but if your in-state is to be able to perform ten days in the backcountry carrying a sixty-pound load over the course of that and hauling out hundreds of pounds of meat, you probably need to tweak and change it a little bit. For sure, um, yeah. and you know, and I just I really like, you know, the approach that you guys are taking. With you know, I thought it was really cool um, at the Packmount Challenge that you know you, you were talking to me. You were trying to in- incorporate some of the heart rate data and, and all this other stuff. Kind of, kind of talk a little bit about how you plugged in with the Western hunt fest guys at the pack challenge and then what you're really like looking at doing there with some of that, you know, yeah. data and analytics mm-hmm. driven stuff. So, you know, kind of what I talked about at the beginning of this, this show was
1: us trying to take the research portion of that and, and bring like tangible information back to people. And it was interesting because a friend of ours, uh, chance, who I'm sure you met from God's country. Um, who's, who's a great dude. Um, he says, Hey man, you gotta meet this Jeff guy. And they're both kind of from down there in Southern Colorado. And, and we just ended up having a conversation. He's like, Hey man, we're thinking about doing this This is kind of what we're planning on doing. He tells me about the Out challenge. And I'm like, I got something for you. And I'm like, we're trying to build and collect information about how do we better prepare people for that? I'm like, here's what we can do. And so I kind of, we kind of proposed to them, um, you know, the, the whole Out challenge piece and said, let's take that. As an opportunity to actually produce information that we can share back to people. And that's how that kind of came to life. They had the, the, the original idea of, like, hey, let's do a simulated packout. For those people that don't know, um, essentially what the packout challenge is at Western Hunt Fest is you're going to, in sandbag weight, you're going to pack out what would be the equivalency of a quartered out elk. So it's about 250 ish pounds. Of sandbags you're gonna to have to take out a Euro mounted um, head and antlers you got to carry your bow for at least one lap and what we do is go out and, and mark a course that they've got to cover and then what we do is we actually put um, these biometric um, trackers on them um, from cardio which is a company out of Switzerland which is probably what we've done in-house at our facility is tested as many of these, you know, trackers, you can You talk about Fitbits and whoop bands and all these other things. And this thing is the most accurate that we found that isn't a chest strap. Um, so the chest straps obviously are super accurate because they're closest to the heart. Your signal is gonna be the best, but this actually um, is the most accurate we found without a chest strap based on the fact that it has three sensors in it. It has a red light, a white light, and a green light sensor. And so the depth of tissue and accuracy is, is, a, is a lot higher um and so we put these on all the contestants and then you know it's just app based it runs to a cloud and it allows us to then track what their output looks like we get their elevation gain we get the elevation loss we get their average speed we're going to get their heart rate we're going to get heart rate average um, we're going to get heart rate max and then you know from there we can actually start kind of like breaking some of this stuff down and say all right well you completed that task and they either do it solo or with a buddy and we We track how much weight did they take in their pack? And so what we want to know is how much weight did you take? What is your actual body weight? So um, Ryan and Dom, who have won the team pack out, um, they weren't at this last event, so you you didn't meet them. They're both guides down in New Mexico. And one of them is 150 pounds, and his brother is probably 230 pounds. And they split the weight and go one trip. And so you got a 150 pound guy with 150 pounds on, you got a 200 and we'll call it 20 to 30 pound guy that has close to that weight, but he'll take the head and the antlers and those guys just truck it. And I'm like, this is what we do. That's what they say like over and over again. And so the difference is we look at that and say, well, how can he do this? And he's, he's doing this and they're, they're both capable of completing that task. And so, when we start digging into the data is where we start to understand some of that stuff and say, well, here's why he's still capable of doing that, even though he's carrying a heavier load, right? It's going to come down to what his conditioning weight is, his relative strength looks like. Um, where's you know, obviously his training status, he always talks about the fact that he's like, well, shoot Ryan, you know, he can carry that weight better than me. I've got to get into better condition if I'm going to keep up with it right and so those are kind of the little things that that we're you know gathering and bringing back and so like at bailey for example um you look at luke and um and you look at um cody who were finished one and two and those guys are monsters right like they're like i came here to win this thing and those guys finish first and second they have on every event that we've done so far and then there was one other gentleman there who was we'll just say older than both of them, I would say relatively handily. And those two guys did it in two trips. So they took half of it, went out the other half of it and finished. And there was one guy who is the perfect example of what training and understanding what load speed and heart rate looks like, who actually did it in three trips. So he did one extra, he's talking half a mile did actually three trips, but it was like, you know what? I know I can't do this in two, I'm probably 10 or so years older than these guys. And he only finished about four minutes behind those guys. That's wild, I didn't realize that. And so when you look at that and you go, well, how the hell could that be? And it's like, well, he figured out what his load speed, like appropriate load speed index looked like and knew that he could operate at a higher level for a longer period of time then maybe that heavier load where it's like, man, I have only got so much in me. I know I can get this done, but it's going to take everything. I got to get that thing done in two. And so those are like the things where it's like, when you look at that, you go, there was two kids that went out there like, you know, bravado and like, man, I'm going to go out and crush this thing. And they loaded up way too heavy. They just overshot it by a mile. And you saw both of them just go and they just bonked. Right. And that's the exact circumstance of like what we want to try and like bring that to light. like be this guy in the middle, right? If you're this guy who, who, you know, is the hard charger and and knows how to train appropriately and whatever else, and you know, you can go out and crush it. That's great. Don't be this third guy who goes, oh, I can do that. And then put yourself in trouble and then not be successful or worse yet, you know, get yourself injured because with a hundred pounds on your back in the backcountry bad things can happen. Right. And so like, that's kind of where it's like when we kind of sat back and looked at all that, I'm like, that's, that's where the proof is, is that in the pudding when we talk about what do we want to try and bring to people and what do we want to show them so that they can have better experiences and know that like, which one of those boxes do you fit in and how can we make sure that we kind of steer you in the right direction by giving you that information and go, aha, that's where I need to be.
0: That's, that's really cool. I, I, didn't, I knew you guys were running the, the analytics. I didn't realize you guys had that much, you know, what you're pulling. I really I really like that. And that's that's awesome insight. And it's a great point, too, is I think, you know, there, there can be some ego that gets wrapped up in a lot of this. It's like oh, yeah. and I, I, it's really bad and talking to a bunch of my army buddies, too. Like uh, we just did a podcast with one of my uh, buddies. who's a former infantryman and like he struggles with it. Like we, we always want to get like point A to point B. Like, yep. real hard, real fast. I like, get there. Like, we're going to glass here. Let's, let's go. And then, one, it's like, be slower because you need to hunt your way in, hunt your way out always. Uh, and then it's also, it's like, it's not a race
1: <laughs> unless oh, you yeah. have like
0: some crazy reason. And like, so take oh, your yeah. time. I mean, obviously, the pack amount challenge is, mm-hmm. but just in general, is yeah. you know, you don't have to get to the top of the mountain. Like, it's that heart rate management, understanding what your capability is because and I wanted to kind of touch on this earlier is like when you do start to deteriorate where you're like redlining, like now at altitude, it's so much harder to get that back under control. And then if you factor in, you know, dehydration, you know, potential, like, you know, uh, core temp going up, like that becomes a snowball and that will just get out of control so quickly and you're not going to be able to recover if you're not mindful of it. So like kind of checking the ego and, and not treating it like a, you yeah. know like a pack them out challenge <laughs> those well, guys yeah. were beast and, and, though and know. it's wild how yeah. like they, they were crushing it that's that's the only thing
1: that we like acknowledge and recognize is like I, I love the people that want to come and do the challenge that are like i want to see if i can do this you know and there's a different different schools of thought where you've got the few you know like the cody's and Lucases and, and um and th- that are like i'm here to win this thing and like that's awesome but if cody goes and knocks down or lucas goes and knocks down an elk this fall he's not going to take half of it and be like yeah. i'm going to hammer down to get out of here like no he's going to be sensible about it so the competitive part of that is is the one like caveat where it's like yeah we understand that is there still very very valuable data that we're gathering from that 100 right and kind of those examples that i gave you you know you you can extrapolate those out as you start to think about them more tangibly of what that actually means the interesting part about what you kind of mentioned is we're, we're playing around with some stuff right now. We've got a, um, a another European company where we've been tracking the conditioning part um, with, a, with a core sensor. And what you'll find out is we've been doing testing that's a lot more related to what's called functional threshold for power as opposed to VO2 max. And when we look at the difference between those two is functional threshold for power is that like very finite line where if i go above that i'm going to start crashing right i can operate at that level in terms of metabolically and it's at the very upper echelon of where that ceiling is that i can continue to output power in terms of wattage. typically obviously we're talking about lower body and what we've been doing with that core sensor my business partner jc who's just you know like metabolic savant he's been testing that out and figuring out at what point does our does our body temp reach a level where power output actually just starts diving? And there's a really interesting point to that, where if your internal body temperature gets above a certain level, you're gonna just start declining in output for sure. And so again, it goes back to some of these things of like how hard do you go, what's the pace you go, and, and all these things where if you get beyond that, we know that at that point you're going to, you're really going to struggle because it's like running out of gas, right? Like no matter what, like the engine's going to start sputtering and it's really difficult that you're ever going to get back to, you know, full status. If we go beyond that point and your output's really going to struggle. And if you're, you know, out in no man's land, you got a long ways to go yet. It's going to be, it's going to be a struggle from there on out. So it's how can we push that line and keep you operating there without going beyond it where then bad things can start peeking their head out.
0: Well, Joe, we'll, we've pushed past an hour here and I, all that was, was awesome. Um, I'm, I'm stoked to, uh, you know, we need to have you back on and, keep going because i think we can go for another hour and keep unpacking all this there's uh we didn't we didn't touch on half the stuff that that i wanted to but i uh i really appreciate your time you got anything to close us out with
1: no i uh you know i I just appreciate it Uh, i'm glad we finally got to hook up it was fun to get to meet you know more of the 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 hle crew uh, out at western hunt fest obviously anything we can do I, i love the idea of us getting you know kind of collecting everybody and getting together even if it's uh more of a social thing or just shooting or, or working out or whatever. I mean, we love that idea. And I think, um, we should, we should make that happen, but, um, thank you for, you know, making the time. I know you're, you're busy and, uh, life's going to change quick for you any moment. So, uh,
0: two under two, it's going to be great. Yeah.
1: Right. So all the best with that. And, and I, I just appreciate the chance to get down and talk with you. I really enjoyed it.
0: Absolutely. I appreciate it. Uh, where can everybody find you guys on uh, social media and your website?
1: uh high harvest outdoors um you we, you can look up uh h3o um we have you know youtube page on um i think if you look at that you, you should be able to find us pretty easy we're not we're not too tough to find i don't think uh we haven't quite hit the algorithm yet so you know there's not you know, <laughs> we're not in the in the tens of thousands of followers or anything like that so uh some of us have day jobs and uh, <laughs> I don't have a social media coordinator. So, but uh, <laughs> if you, if you go, if you go check that out, you know, obviously uh, we're, we're really trying to do our best to, you know, reply back and get to people. So um, we love to hear from you. If obviously if people have questions or stuff like that, you know, our, our mission is to give back as much as we can. So please uh, reach out if we can help.
0: Awesome. I appreciate you coming on and your time. And, and I think if I was to sum this one up, it's, it's prep, you know, make sure you guys are ready for the mountain, ready for any, any hunt really. Cause even just dragging a white tail out of the woods, you'll yeah. realize really quickly how, how fat and out of shape you are when you're dragging a white tail. So uh, yeah. definitely put the work in. Now's the time, you know, when this one drops, it'll probably be August. So now you're cramming, so you got to catch up. So get after yeah. it. And as always, I appreciate the how of you guys. Thanks so much.